0: Hey, what's up, guys? It's your host, Lizzie Jane. Happy 420. To celebrate this holiday, we have the one and only Blunts and Blondes joining me today on the XO podcast. Michael and I have known each other for the past three years. I was so hyped to do my first in-person podcast with him. He's had releases on Deadbeats, Subcarbon, and a full-length album is on the way, so make sure you're keeping your ears and eyes open to hear more information on that very soon. Don't forget to check out my newly launched Patreon at www.patreon.com. Patreon.com backslash this is Lizzie Jane for ad-free exclusive podcast, podcast premieres, one-on-one lessons, live streams, and much, much more. Without further ado, happy 420. This is Lizzie Jane, and you're tuning into the EXO podcast. Yes. Hi Michael. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, Lizzie. How are you doing?
0: Good. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I greatly appreciate it. I don't know. It's uh it's been quite a fucking road that we've known each other for the last, I think, four years now. Yeah. And I met you at Ritz right after you were I think it was like one or two years after you were done being a resident. And now look at you. Now you're fucking here, man.
1: Yeah. I thought you knew me when I was at Ritz.
0: No, I, I didn't even go to the old amp before it burnt down. So I caught you when I was still like 18, 19, when I would go and you were just a resident and everybody would go for blunts and blondes, and all, all little bartenders would wear your shirts and they'd all be like, yeah, we love Michael X, Y, and Z. And then I met you when I played with, um, Grizzly when I just started being a resident.
1: Oh, word. Like yeah.
0: three years ago. It's been quite some time.
1: Yeah. I liked you as a resident. You're fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, we'll get into that a little bit later, but it, it's definitely something that I, I think has has helped me substantially, and you can attest to that as well. The whole team there is is a great team, supportive team. And um, Yeah, but for everyone listening, if you are not familiar with this wonderful human, dear friend of mine, Michael Gard, also known as Blunts and Blondes, if you like (laughs) electronic music, you listen to bass music, especially if you're in the state of Florida... You know this man sells out all of his tour stops, and it's just been a wild ride watching you. About like
1: 85% of my tour stops.
0: About like 85%. I mean, g- give or take, give or take a few. The last time you were on the road consistently was like your last tour, right? With Sub-Doctor.
1: Yeah, Sub-Doctor yeah. Yeah, was Sub Yeah, Sub and Baldy. Yeah. it's the hot box tour. And was
0: that fun. was your first, second bus
1: tour? That was my second bus tour. That was like my first headlining tour was that one, and then... The one before that, was the up and smoke with Jesse? Yeah,
0: yeah, I feel like that was a big moment for your kind of like just journey because it was like I feel like when you started on that tour, I don't know, like how did you feel? Was it like scary as fuck? Were you I like, was fucking scared,
1: it? I was scared as shit. Uh, Citronics is really intense, yeah, and uh, he's somebody I look up to, so oh, absolutely, it was just like uh, it was cool to. Be put in that position but it was also pretty like intense and scary to be like "Yo, i gotta show out every night or else like he's gonna see like it sucked when you when you like crash in front of your fans and like you, you train wreck in front of your fans but when you train wreck in front of your like people you look up to when you look up to and shit your heroes that shit's weird yeah that sucks
0: yeah and i think that's something that sometimes like just people who attend music festivals and just, like, fans in general don't get because, like, I easily can get in front of, like, a crowd of thousands of people and, like, fucking just go for it. But if there's somebody that I know that is, like, an inspiration of mine and I'm all fucking nervous and then I fuck up, you're like, God fucking damn it.
1: Yeah, it sucks. But yeah. you get on with it and you finish the set.
0: For sure. I mean, I just feel like it It was probably just this huge, like, learning experience for you. and like
1: For sure. He, like, um... He was very helpful with anything I ever needed. He helped me, like, get through my nerves. And and uh, my team was great. My bus driver was dope, Steven. And then Max, he was my TM. Everybody was super dope. Super dope team. Lex was on the road with us. and
0: Yeah.
1: She, every, the whole team was just vibing really well. It was super cool. And it was a really big learning experience. It was my first time away from home, like, a lot mm-hmm. um, touring. Like, I, I, you know, I've been away from home, but, like, Being drunk every day. Yeah. It was my first time. (laughs) Like, just being on tour, like, I didn't realize, like, I thought I was being conservative with, like, my, like, getting turned upness compared to, like, my, like, sober life, Mm -hmm. I guess. Bruh, that shit is so hard. I was so turned up all the time.
0: Is it really just, like, that kind of, like, rock star lifestyle where it's just, like, everything that you could ever dream of is right in front of you?
1: For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I mean, we were not, we're not, like, you know, Head, we're not like you know pop stars or nothing. We don't have For those sure. crazy, you know, we don't have buses on buses and entourages and stuff. But like you, we have everything we ever want. Like we have all the weed we want. We have like we're playing shows and having a great time every day. And you know you're with your homies. You're eating good food, seeing different places. It's it's an experience that I'm very humbled and blessed to experience because I know not everybody's gonna be able to do that, but. It's freaking awesome. Yeah. And if you have the chance to do it, I think you should.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's definitely a dream to do something like that one day cuz it's it's very different cuz before you went on to that tour with Zion and Jesse you had really just only been, like, traveling on the weekends, correct? Mm. And just kind of, like, Thursday through Saturdays. It's so much different doing that and being home the majority of the week. Or even, because, you know, you can be somewhere for less than 12 hours before you're on a flight back home. So it's almost like you didn't even leave. You just, like, went two hours away and came back. Yeah. But, like, on yeah. the bus, like, you don't come home.
1: Yeah, for sure. It was, like, the first time I felt like it was my job. It was, like, like my life. It was, like, back at home when I was a resident, I it felt like a job sometimes because, mm-hmm. like, you know, going into the same club, oh, same I shit every that. day. I mean, yep. I mean, I'm not a resident anymore. I don't have to surcoat it. it fucking It yeah. Sometimes it's really hard to do that every single week and play to the same crowd every week and still make them happy every week when you don't... Mm-hmm. When you're trying to do other things in your life and artists and shit, and you're... like, It's it's hard, but when you're on the road and um, it's like you... You're just... I was just blunts and blondes. Like, I was not... I didn't have any other responsibilities ever, mm-hmm. like, at all. When I was on the road, it was, like, I died that 24-7, 100%. And it was really nice to be able to focus on that. But it was really hard to come home, too. Yeah. Like, it was, when I got home, it was such a weird adjustment. And, like, I was, I don't know if I was depressed, but, like, I was just, like, I had no...
0: You just felt, like, stuck.
1: I like, couldn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to play video games, even. Really? Which sucked. Because I like video games.
0: Mm-hmm. What's some of your favorite video games? We're going to go there. Oh, we're going to go there. I'll circle back on that that whole coming back from tour thing. But yeah, I actually would love... Because I uh, just started to play Nintendo Switch. I'm just learning. I could probably beat your ass in Super Smash Bros. All right. We, we may have to do that on round two. Um, but what do you like to play?
1: Um, <laughs> 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 uh, so... Uh, I used to play Nintendo, right? When I was a child. Yeah. Okay.
0: That's what Wes tells me, that I'm a child, that I I play Nintendo. I mean,
1: Smash is timeless, right? For sure. You can play Smash till you die. Mm -hmm. It's going to be great. But, like, you know, um, people are going to get mad at that, but whatever. Nintendo fell off. Uh, I play, like, Tarkov right now. I don't play a lot of video games anymore because I've been trying to make, you know, music a lot and work on this album. Yep. But uh when I do play video games, I play a lot of Tarkov. Uh, I played Call of Duty sometimes with the boys. That was the that was the game growing up. But uh we I play, you know, I jump on every now and then with the with the squad, play some, you know, Warzone or some shit.
0: Well that's what I notice a lot is like everybody in Discord and all that shit. Like all the artists play together. And that's how I've like talked to some of my homies and they've been like, yeah, like this is how I met this guy by like streaming COD with them or playing like other shit. And I don't know. Did you ever kind of meet some of like your aspirations and like for stuff sure for, for sure.
1: video games so i talk a lot of shit when i play video games mm-hmm. and i can back it up yeah sometimes but you can always guarantee i'm gonna talk shit yeah and um but people love that so it got me into a lot of parties and like got people laughing and stuff and i met a lot of people through that i got to um me and uh me and my boy Benda actually like we didn't really we didn't really know each other that well. We just knew like each other's music and through shows. Mm-hmm. And then um, we started playing Call of Duty together every now and then. Yeah. And then uh, we became good homies. That's a little. I guess that's like a d- dubstep friend I know. But just the the, the squad, the yo 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 gang, fucking since like you know forever. Yeah. Is you know my boy Kevin Flum. Kevin. Milo, you know Plasma, yeah. all them. Sunday service, they don't make music no more, but, yep. They play some goddamn video games, for real. Squad. If you want that smoke, hit us up. (laughs) But.
0: Well, okay, so, that, going from someone who I know used to play video games a shit ton, to coming home from tour and just, like, feeling like there's, like, no purpose in, like, what you're doing on, like, a day-to-day. I feel like that was how a lot of people felt, especially people in your shoes that have been, like, touring for the last, like, five to six years, And when they stopped when fucking COVID started, even for those first few months, it's like we don't understand that we have an addiction to like being on stage yeah, and like the energy that we feel from people, because when you take that like out of your life, and I can't even imagine going on a two, three month tour, feeling that every other day, if not for four or five days in a row, and then it being like, okay, like back to your normal life, like go get shit done. I don't know. Was it just like a really rough patch? How did you get over it?
1: yeah it was rough um when i came back i was torn to what, what i wanted to do i was like yeah i need to freaking move out of tampa i need to move out of florida i need to like be around music 24 7 like da-da-da. but i took some time to chill and think about it and talk to my boys and um i really just needed my friends yeah like, just like my friends bringing back down to like normal and shit because well, being blonde, some laws is cool but being buns and bones all the time is really unhealthy mm-hmm. for me and stuff. Yep. So um it was nice to be able to like I still live with my roommate Taylor who Yeah. Like we've lived in, we lived together for since college. And then but he brings me down all the time and just being able to talk to somebody who's not really in the industry as much he he's a resident around Tampa and plays mm-hmm. house music, but like just doesn't really not really bass music shit or like not really touring helps me stay level which is cool and Absolutely. that helped me he helps he just helps me through everything so just having a homie really helped me
0: that's fucking dope I feel like it's it's really easy in our field because this is like all of our dreams and like not a lot of people get the opportunity to work their passion as a career and actually make a fucking living from it so it's like it's so easy for us to lose perspective that this is a job and it's not like your whole life and having that like side thing like whether it's disc golf like your friends like your girlfriend your boyfriend is like so important because i feel like i feel like i could see myself doing it and i watch other people just get lost and then they just like don't even know who they are anymore
1: for sure i've seen a lot of my friends you know especially in bass music kind of because it's hard to it's if you make music especially electronic music it's hard to put it i don't know how to explain this Electronic music to me, EDM or something like basically this this rave music that we're doing nowadays. It's very hard to make it timeless. People remember these music, these songs for maybe a year tops, and then somebody makes something more crazy, and then people forget about it. And um, we, at least me, at least I, I speak it for myself. I like um, it's the one thing I struggle with the most in my music is like I want to make music that people can party to and people can have a good time at the at the shows and rave to. But like I also want to make music that. I care about and i can you know express my feelings and what i'm thinking about or whatever i'm doing at the time through that music and to find that balance is really hard and um i think for us making this type of music it's hard to continue doing it and like uh like continue trying to like not making music but can like it's when we make rave music dance music every day it starts to feel like a job yeah and it's like yep it's hard to it's hard to it's important to switch it up
0: and it's it's also hard when we're in an industry where everyone wants you to have your own sound and then when you have that sound you're not allowed to leave that sound and leave that pocket yeah and hard. i feel like people like getter and like his visceral project were kind of at the forefront of like a total sacrifice for hey if you're going to like this artist you need to accept where they're going to grow to and where they're going to mature to because I think an artist staying the same and sounding stagnant ultimately is just, like, not good for anyone. And usually the artist wants to try different things and experiment and, like, work with vo- vocalists or, like, go to, like, pop music or rap music or R&B. And it's, like, we hone so many skills as engineers that can be utilized in, like, other genres even to, like, a better value than in dubstep and in bass music. And for it's, sure. like, you should still be... If you're a supporter of someone, like, you should be a supporter of them doing different shit.
1: I think you should be a supporter of them doing different shit. But, like, I don't... I think it is a huge... Misunderstanding and lie, like you can not like there is songs that you cannot like you're allowed to not like anything yeah. you want, but like you can still fuck with the person mm-hmm. you still fuck with the artist and like realize like we're all on a journey, and if you like a, if you like an artist you fuck with an artist like realize and like think about why you like that artist and you realize that you like a lot of the artists that I like that I really love is because it was very. I could see the progression i could see how they grew as a person or in the art as the music grew whether their music was bad and got good or whether it was good and got better it was really cool to see and like i think that's when people like say you have you know you like this artist and they come out with a with an album or an ep that's just like really different you're like all right they fell off fuck that Never listen to them again mm. that 's just like one little corner of their brain they 're just trying to show you like they have they still have the other shit that you like in there
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's it sucks to see it so polarized
0: yeah i I definitely agree with that, and it it is just all opinion biased and that 's why it 's like it 's important to see what like your consumers think and your listeners think, but at the end of the day it's like you should be doing it for you and and I really like looking at progression too and it's like i may not necessarily like like techno or like this kind of style or genre of music but when i see somebody work their fucking ass off and you see them start to get recognized for it and you see people start to be like oh like you know what's up they're like kind of not becoming the underdog anymore you're like fuck yeah like you're just happy for them because every artist can relate to how hard it is to continue to kind of level up and move forward in like their career
1: yeah that's true
0: I don't know. It's um. It's, what are
1: some artists that you that you like that have that progression?
0: I would say, look at that. You're you're interviewing me now. But I
1: mean, I um, have one.
0: <laughs> I'm about to ask you too. I'm about to ask you. I would say a lot of the shit, and you can talk about this as well. Like a lot of the shit that we've heard during quarantine is way different. Than what we were used to pre quarantine. When you get into that like experimental shit or like the melodic future rhythm stuff, and it's like, I personally have loved to see this like subgenre of melodic rhythm and like color based shit kind of come to the forefront because it's not club bangers. It's like re listenable dubstep. Yeah. And it's like, I well, feel like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, not like re listenable. I guess, I guess it would be easier to listen to not in a club context. If okay. that makes
1: sense? Yeah. I, I, when I make music, I like have to, you know, I try to think about the end game, you know, and a lot of that, a lot of what I was making back when we were playing shows all the time was like, you know, how crazy can I make this switch up or how crazy can I make this like Mm -hmm. wow factor? But now I'm like, okay, these people are listening to my music in the car now and they're listening to my music at home, like, you know, doing laundry or in their headphones or something. So different. And it's a different game and it gets you in a different mindset, which is cool because I think people are going to bring that to the stage this year too.
0: I do too. And like, I know the same heavy hitters will stay heavy, but I think it's going to be so sick because not this year, but like next festival season, I think we're going to see a shit ton of new people and, Mm -hmm. and it's going to just expand. Like every genre has to grow, like every piece of technology, everything in life, like it eventually evolves to something else. And like, this is something that I feel like. Quarantine has caused like the evolution of electronic music to be pushed forward a little bit faster than it would have been if not. If people were just and, and I'm looking at like bass music specifically because you have to say, Yeah, like as an up-and-coming DJ, guess the music that I'm making. I'm making the music to send to you for you to play it on the stage at Lost Land so I can get a video to say, Hey guys, Blends and Blonde supported me. Yeah. I'm not making music to say, damn, I really want someone who's feeling down feeling like fuck this to listen to this in their room or in the car and like want to know the lyrics and they memorize them and they listen to it over and over and over again anytime they feel this way and i feel like this is what has come out of quarantine in a, a little bit
1: that's a cool way of looking at things
0: Cause it's like now, like, when you write, and like I was talking to Doctor Ozzy the other day and he's like, you know, when I used to sit down and write, it was like, Okay, am I writing this for a club, for a fucking mosh pit? Or am I writing this to be a bit more melodic and try and push my listeners and try and do some shit that they may not like? And it's like when you sit down and write beforehand, it's like, yeah, like what can I make that's gonna make the fucking crowd bop? All of that shit. And now like where are you kind of at when you're working on music?
1: Um I don't really so when I wake up and make tunes, or I get getting like you know just on the computer and make tunes, Okay, go to the studio whatever, and um, I'll always just start making beats, just making like rap beats mm-hmm. and like just like playing melodies, playing with samples, just whatever, yeah. and then I'll make like as many as I can really, and then um, so I'll have like ten or twenty for that like. Three, three, two, three days. I'm making rap beats, mm-hmm. and then I'll take all those and pick my favorite, and be like, okay, what can I turn into? Because I'll, I'll finish all the rap beats, because I'll send them all for placements. Yeah. And then, um, if you know that that's just a different part of my career. Yeah. But um, I'll take all those beats, and I'll be like, okay, which ones can I turn into dubstep tunes? Okay. And then I'll go into, I'll just like go through the beats, pick my favorites, or pick whatever I think is like you know, bass music ready and then I'll make it into a bass music tune and I'll go from there.
0: So you're the kind of person where it's like, I'm going to make a hundred or something and ten are going to stick and these are the ten that I'm going to see or do you bring all of your ideas like eventually to life?
1: No, never. Okay. Yeah. If I brought all my ideas to life, I don't know what would happen.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. I'm sure that's for everybody.
0: Yeah, no, I, I definitely think it's for everyone. I save like a bunch of my old projects and I'll go back sometime yeah. and like filter through and all that stuff. I think it's
1: cool to save everything, but I definitely do don't put everything out.
0: No, no, yeah. I definitely agree with that. Um, what you were saying with placements. So aside of you doing blondes and blondes, explain to me this other like realm that you've entered where is this how you ended up working with Wiz Khalifa and DJ Afterthought? Uh, through these placements or was this through more of the electronic route explain this to me because I was I'm really uh-huh. curious
1: okay well it's a it's a good story long story it's good it's okay we have time <laughs> yeah uh, so uh, I played a show I was on tour with cod dubs a while ago and um, the promoter booked, double booked the uh, venue, and it was our show and a riff raff show. Oh shit! And they're like, "Yo, is it cool if you cut your show in half and then riff raff come on, and then you guys can finish your show after the riff Rap show?" I was like, "Whatever." Sure, I'm trying to see riff Rap. <laughs> and then uh so riff raff came and everything, but he was like, uh, he told his DJ, which is DJ Afterthought. He was like, yo, you can't chill in the green room for some reason. So, I was like, yo, come to our green room and just chill and wait till the show's over or whatever.
0: God, that's a dick move. Yeah. Like, what the fuck?
1: He's a... Whatever. (laughs) Yeah. But, um... Yeah, so we just became friends and everything. And then, uh... We we just, you know, kept communication and stuff. And then, uh... One day, he called me up. He was like, yo, uh... Are you trying to, like get on this whiz verse or whatever and i was like yeah and then we recorded it and then it was um i sent him over it took a while but then we got it done and they're like yo this is good and then they re-recorded it to like make it sound better i guess Mm -hmm. uh for i guess because the the verse was old or something so they re-recorded the verse okay and then uh got the thing done and that's how that's basically how i started working with them and then um after that, me and just me and afterthought after thought guys, his name's Ryan. Me and Ryan got um really close and we went I went out to California with them to, for a vacation and to work on some music and then they linked me up with Ricky and the Taylor Gate Ricky P and Taylor Gang guys. And then um yeah, he's just been ever since then, ever since I started working with them, I just you know, he put me in front of so many people and I made sure that I was gonna, you know, take that opportunity and I made sure everybody remembered my name. I gave everybody my email. I made sure I gave everybody beats. I just met so many people. And then that week kind of like started everything for me Mm -hmm. because I started working with people. And then people started talking about me to other people because I was was very hands on. I was like, yo, like if anybody needs anywhere, let them know. I'll do it. And I just wanted to work for anybody in that industry just to even just to like branch out a little bit. And ever since then, it's just been awesome. Just been like. More and more things have been happening, um, and now I'm able to bring a little bit of that industry into the Blunts and blonde stuff, because, like, now the album that I'm working on, it's all features, and it's just, like, it's going to be great.
0: Yes! That's yeah. so... That's fucking wild, dude. Mm-hmm. What a, like, right place, right time kind of moment.
1: Yeah, it was super cool.
0: Yeah. Like, I don't really believe in, like, higher powers, but I do believe there's, like, this energy where it's, like... That kind of stuff in my mind doesn't happen without it, like, meaning to happen. Yeah. Which is just so wild, because it's like... I know you're so passionate about that industry in general. When you're... I want to talk about the album in a little bit. Mm -hmm. But when you're stepping into this other industry, are people just mad different? Is it a totally different environment?
1: Yeah, for sure. They look at music differently. Um, We're just like... yo, if I have fucking blunts on my lip tell me god damn she's making me look stupid out here um (laughs) yeah they're a lot different they're like uh it's not like nothing bad or anything it's just um (laughs) they make a lot more money than we do oh yeah so their time is worth a little bit more so they don't have to work with us yeah if you have to make yourself very valuable in order to get into those rooms with those people and once you're in those rooms don't fuck up like i was in a room with ricky and the taylor gang guys and i was in it i was in the bed, like in the back seat in this big studio just like on my computer rolling a little blunt shaking and freaking out and then everybody was just bumping listening to beats and he turns to me and goes like yo plug in i was just like fuck and then i i couldn't say no no yeah so i had to go do that and then i started playing beats and that's that's how you have to do it if you get opportunities you gotta take it and like i think that's it's easy to take the opportunity it's hard to be prepared for it so like you have to if you're really trying to do this and i think quarantine like she said has like there's so many producers out here now and there's going to be so many opportunities for everybody to like take this by the horn and like really do this. And uh yeah. If there's going to be opportunities presented to you all the time and if you're ready to go, crazy things can happen. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I feel like that's like a great a great saying just in general that you can really apply to because I can't even imagine how many fucking aspiring producers there are in that genre looking at how many aspiring producers there are just in, like, the base genre here. Like, there's so fucking many. And it's, like, it's exactly that. Like, everybody wants a spot in the room, the room that doesn't really exist anymore. But, like, everyone wants a spot, and they want the opportunity, and the opportunity comes more than you would think, but not that many people are prepared. Yeah, And it's, like, that's where it's... That's where it comes to a point where it's, like, I feel like I could just work all day, every day, and there would still be more work to do. For sure. And it's, like you have to set that that boundary because if you do that you burn out and i feel like it's it's easy for us to get like lost in our work because we don't consider it work you know it's just like it does sometimes feel like fucking job but on the other side of it sometimes you just get lost in it and you're there for like 12 hours and you like it feel like some, feels like nothing
1: it feels like there's definitely like i think a it's a, a job isn't a good name for it but like occupation cause like yeah. I definitely think of it as my job it is my way of making money but it's also my purpose you know yeah, it's just the way that I feel like I'm contributing to the world cause that's like a big I don't know why it's a big thing for me but I like I in my head I feel like every person is supposed to contribute something to the world you know
0: absolutely and I think people often lose their purpose yeah. at, by a certain age it's like I don't feel like you'll see it quite yet in, like, mid-20s, but I feel like there's this switch in, like, your late 20s, early 30s where I just see people, like, give up. And then they're just complacent as an adult and you stop pushing forward and you stop pushing for something further because that's how you feel uncomfortable. And then you were talking about on your fucking bus tour! On your bus tour! You must have been really uncomfortable pushing for that.
1: Yeah. And Okay, yeah. I was surprised, and I'm sure a lot of people are, on the ability for humans to like we're so scared and then we put ourselves in the situation and we realize that we can perform we're like ready for it and a lot of the times it's like the self-doubt it's like my worst self-doubt I feel like, doubt kills you yeah it's the worst thing in the world and then but it stops a lot of people from doing a lot of things but if you put yourself in that situation and you prove to yourself you're like oh shit like I am ready but again, that's preparation. Like, the only way you feel ready is with preparation.
0: The only way you feel ready is with preparation. With over-preparation. It's like, that kind of, oh, like, you got lucky? It's like, no, because you worked to the 98% mark, and then you got 2% luck. Yeah. And and it's just, that's that's what it is. And it's like, in your mind, you may either always feel like you're ready, or never feel like you're ready, but I just feel like over-preparing, and just, like, over-prepping like prepping your, like, mind for whatever situation you're about to go into is the only way to like get through and get to the other side real. it's it's,
1: it's weird know? i never feel like i am ready but in the back of my head i always know i'm gonna be all right it's weird yeah it's like every single show i still get the jitters yeah. i still you know I, I have to take you know 10 minutes and like stare at a wall and get all pumped up like lebron or something and like i can i cannot play a show if i don't do that but every single show even if my fucking USB is corrupt or something, like, it's, it's fine. We got more USBs, you know what I mean? It's yeah. cool.
0: Dude, the extra USB saves
1: lives. The extra four USBs save lives. Yeah. Using Everyone your boy's usb no. saved lives. Using your friend, anybody's USB. The opener's USB. Stealing the opener's USB out of his pocket without him even knowing. And then putting all your music on it before your show. And then putting in your pocket. So he messes up. And then you don't look bad for not having your music. That saves lives. So. That never happened. I
0: was about to say. <laughs> so was about to say Michael, tell me about the situation where he grabbed <laughs> an opener's USB. No, and actually, corrupted his set. No,
1: the last USB. Uh, that doesn't happen to me a lot. The USB thing doesn't happen. But the last one that happened to me was actually this parking rave one. this last one. And both no my way. USBs corrupted <gasps> right when I plugged them in. And. Um, I looked at jo- J- Hesh, and I was like, "Yo, I need, I need your USB," and he gave it to me, and I put all my music on it, and it was cool. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's fucking wild.
1: But all my USBs corrupted. I guess it was like I didn't update Record Box in a long time.
0: Holy shit. Yeah. I have like fears. It was scary. Of like going to like a huge set and like the USB being corrupted, but like yeah, this is an, a note for the up and comers, dude. Like, make four copies of your USB. Yeah. Like, have like. Have more than and you And bring think, your computer. And always bring your computer. Always bring your charger. Always bring your fucking adapter. Over prepare. Yeah. Shit happens. Yep.
1: Yeah. So what do you want to talk about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just thinking about the corrupted USB thing. That's so fucking scary. Um, I wanna talk about your album. For sure. Alright, so I feel like a long time ago you were like, I think I think it was after Maybe after the Wiz Khalifa song dropped, but maybe after your last EP. You said, Liz, it's time for me to start working on an album. Yeah. So, it's been a fucking minute. Yeah. So, are you... Are you pushing some boundaries here? Or is it all about the features? Is it all about the vocalists? Is it like a concept album? Tell me.
1: Um. So, everything... There's no collabs. It's all gonna be me. And... Okay. But there's all feet like there's all a vocalist on it. Um, Sick and not. I want all of it to be able to. I want to play every single song at my show, but not every song is going to be, you know, rave a, ready. A, a rave song. Yeah. And um, that's something I'm just gonna have to be ballsy enough to do. And I hope people are okay with that. But I. Like what you're saying with the with the quarantine thing this the album is not supposed to be just for the stage you know it's supposed yeah. to be for you know the car or whatever too, and your iphone your iPod or whatever, but I'm really excited about it. I've been working on it for a very long time, and I put music out throughout when I'm working on it, but those aren't my album songs, and um I'm not gonna put any album songs out as singles before I put my album out like the first time you're gonna hear everything is going to be on the album awesome it's going to be cool but i am i'm pretty it was it's like my first step into stepping into like producing a whole album not necessarily just like making a song and putting it out mm-hmm. it's like i'm thinking about the idea you know the theme making sure that the vocalist and i are working on like are on the same page and we're writing something that together that i'm also feeling mm-hmm. rather than something that. You know they just wrote on their by themselves or something, yeah, so it's it's cool to it's like an almost like a really a really cool school project it's like a giant concept coming together for such a long long time, and I've been putting together the album for like basically a year now, so it's like this year's been really fucking hard for me, not yeah. just for like not just this quarantine but you know family problems and growing as a as a man and figuring out my own life it's like I want to be able to reflect all that through the album.
0: Absolutely. So I'm really
1: excited for it. Yeah.
0: That's what I feel like every listener should want is like to be able to like have like a piece of your life. I feel like that's where definitely hard times and all that shit amount to the best art. Like I don't I don't fucking care. Like you can be happy it's as true. like a beat, but I feel like I've just seen my favorite stuff from my like inspirations through them going through like hard shit. It's just something about us like we're learning. Makes us grow so much more, yeah. but it just sounds like your album is like a huge collaborative effort, which is like super super dope. Because sometimes it's like with collabs, you send and then they do half song, you do half song. There's not really a collaborative effort, but with like vocalists and stuff, it has to be pretty cool and different. Because you haven't really worked with too many vocalists prior to this.
1: No, I've never gotten to well one time with my boy J-Mo, but he's he's a, he, JMO. Let him know, look him up, he's a shit, but. um yeah, I've never gotten into, every single one of my features has just been like sending them the beat, they record it and they send it back, it's done. And, but getting into the, the the studio with an artist who like does this shit, it was so cool to see like the amount of professionalness, professionalism that these people bring to the studio. Like it's not just like you and your boy coming over and going like, ah, you're wop, wop, wop type shit. It's like they come over and they're like, okay, what do you want to talk about? Like, what are you feeling right now? And I'm like, and we open up to each other. We talk, we share things about each other's life that, you know, we're fucking strangers. And, like, just talking to people, like, about each other and then connecting about something and then picking that something we connect on and then writing writing a song about it. It's really cool. It's really cool. I think a lot of people, I think music, I think that kind of collaboration should happen more. Because... Making to, with us, like, you can take a Lizzie Jane song, and you can take a Bones and song, and you can take the sounds out of it and put it in a computer and, like, somehow algorithmically put it together and we can call it a collab. But, Mm -hmm. like, that doesn't mean shit. But if we sit down and, like, talk about, you know, what's really, what we're feeling about that day, we can really hurt, you know, change somebody, you know, affect somebody.
0: Absolutely. And it's crazy because I feel like the best music comes from like a team. Like I always feel like more minds than like one is going to do so much better because you're just taking into perspective different people's opinions. And I just don't understand why it is so looked down upon in our industry to have like any more besides like the really big guys. Don't get me wrong. Like you look at the big guys albums and you see all the writers, you see the co-producers and stuff, but it's like, It's like a sin in our, like, industry as, like, an up-and-comer to, like, have, like, a co-write team or have a whatever. It's like, if you don't have them listed on the track, it's, like, a big fucking issue. And, like, that's how I feel as an up-and-comer. So, I don't know if you feel the same way or if you think the same thing. I just feel, like, insane bodies of work could come from these, like, forward-thinking producers if they all just sat down in a room and made something.
1: Yeah, like, for, for, like, there has not been one... There might have been one or two, but there has not been one Blondes and Blondes song where I've not sit in a room with my boys mm-hmm. and fucking showed them and listened to it and then been they been they have not been like, yo, like change this. Yeah. There's not been one fucking song. Yeah. And I guarantee you that that has been for every single artist. Yeah. You show them like, yo, we send we send we get our, we get a song done. We send it to all our boys, all our homies, and they go, yo, it's trash. And they're like, okay, what's trash about it? And they tell you what's trash about it, and you change it. Do you put all their names on that song? No,
0: but that's not what I'm necessarily, like, talking about. Like, that's, like, the feedback, like, the constructive criticism that is so important. And, like, you even see schools like Defire Society and, like, other things do where they have these teachers who are established. And, like, that's badass. Like, that's super dope. But I feel like, but it's, like, what would happen if you put... Odd profit, bad class, someone else and someone else in the room. And it was like, hey, we're going to take credits on this, but you're going to be the producer on that. And maybe it just doesn't exist like that because we are an EDM and it's not predominantly vocal-based, even though I think it is, in my opinion it is, for you to have anything memorable, you need vocals in there.
1: 1000%.
0: And so it's like, I don't know, I I just wish people would be more open to it. I don't think people are open to it, but maybe I'm wrong.
1: I think it's just education, really, because, like, that's how all music is besides electronic music, that's how every single song is. Every single song.
0: You've got, like, 20 people in a room. You have producers, you have the actual beat makers, you have vocalist, engineer, tracking, like, all that shit.
1: Well, every single professional song, yeah. It's like that, but, like, It's just, like, a revision, I feel mm-hmm. like. It's just, like, at the, at the end of the day, it's just, like, we're try- I'm trying to make the best thing that I could put in your ears. And, like, if I if if fucking Too kind. I know you know Too Kind. He yeah. fucking taught me how to produce.
0: Yeah, right? shout out, Jared.
1: He comes over all the time. We sit next to each other and we make music. Same with Plasma. But there's not... like Every single fucking Once A Mon song, he's the last person that hears it before it comes out. I'm like, yo, Jared, is this good enough to fucking put out Mm -hmm. because but he'll usually be like yeah but because he's in the room most of the time maybe or he'll be like yo like try this hi-hat or try this pattern or like yo let me go into your bass real quick and let me see what i can do with it yeah and like there's nothing wrong with that no yeah correct at all
0: absolutely it's just i don't know i feel like i feel like moving forward i hope people are just like more open to just like pushing the scene forward and all that shit I don't
1: know. For sure. For sure. I think it's I think it's, I think it's just education, direction. really. I think it's education.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, when did you, I'm looking at your shirt, when did you pick up disc golf?
1: Okay, so I played disc golf uh, like twice, right, when I was a little kid with my dad, and then I stopped because it was just some shit my dad wanted to like, connect with me with or some shit. Mm. Never threw it again. And then COVID happened, and then my boy Tristan, who's my photographer, he was like, "Yo, yeah, let's go play some disc golf. And then I played it, and then I was like, yo, this is fucking it right here.
0: Because I'm into golf, but you're into disc golf. So, like, I know it's like it's like a Frisbee, right? But you hit targets?
1: It's a basket like, with chains. You throw it into a basket with chains. Yeah. I played golf my whole life. It's kind of different. And it's, uh, golf is... Amazing! It teaches you patience. It, it you know there's so many little fucking tiny things that I like to you know. Golf is the best thing that's ever happened to me. But comparing it to disc golf, it's like you know you can spend a month or you know two at the range going every now and then at the at the you know every now and then a week trying to fix your slice. yeah Right? You can fix. You're fucking. You can you can fix your problem in disc golf or whatever you're trying to work on. You're obviously not going to be great at first, but it's just the progression is so much faster than golf, and it feels so good. And you don't really have to be that athletic to do it. I stopped working out a long time ago. Um, i I worked out really hard. I was you know out there fucking doing lines of pre workout, man. Really doing that shit out here. But I was not getting big, and all my boys were. I got. I was still tubby. (laughs) My muscles were not... I was lifting more, but my arms looked the same. And it was dumb. I was like, this is not worth it. But uh, disc golf, I don't need that. I don't need that at all. I can pick up a Frisbee and throw it, and I feel good about it. And everybody's just try it.
0: Fuck yeah. yeah. That's, that's awesome. Because I was just thinking about like life, work, balance. And, and I picked up golf over quarantine because I was going fucking crazy.
1: It's an expensive thing to pick up. Let me
0: tell you, I literally, it is, I, I understand it now. Like, I understand back end. I never in my life would find myself on a golf course. But you're right. Yeah. It teaches you patience. For sure. You really think, like, you catch yourself thinking in your head, like, all of this stuff. So, it's it's a good, like, okay, I got to get outside. I got to fucking do this. Because so many of us literally could live inside for our whole life. And never walk out.
1: Yeah. I got that farmer stand hard.
0: Yep. Yeah. I feel you. I, I went golfing today and it's getting fucking hot. It is no longer spring sunny Florida. It's it good is though. It's what we need. Yeah. I love it. Ugh.
1: I love waking up and just sweating.
0: <laughs> it's so disgusting. Feels the good. humidity is like no fucking joke. We
1: God. don't work out. We need that.
0: Uh, I work out. You don't work out. I work out, you don't. Work
1: out. I thought everybody from Florida doesn't work out, but no,
0: people work out, Michael.
1: It's a waste of time, guys. Just eat healthy, not even that much. Eat healthy. Just eat a couple work salads, you'll fine. No,
0: nope. we're looking at the camera. <laughs> we're talking to the because it's which- true. I know, I know, I know, I know. Oh, no, I feel you. It's just a good, um, it's a good way to like get out there. That's what I was at um abduction over the weekend before you knocked the F- football. Uh.
1: F in the chat for uh, abduction.
0: F in the chat, yeah. Um, But I have to say... <laughs> I have to say they did the right thing, dude. What happened? Like, okay, okay. I heard so,
1: that a traffic sign hit an old lady.
0: Oh, boy. I think that's down the grapevine. I don't even fucking know, though. Okay. I heard that it was... It was like when the storm was coming through, because this was the storm that delayed the Masters all day on Saturday. Uh And it came all the way down the fucking state of Florida. And I guess it wasn't supposed to hit until Sunday. But on Saturday, it just bodied Orlando for like 30 minutes. And it was wind gusts of like 55 miles an hour. And it took one of the gates up. And I think one of the gates flew and a fire marshal saw it. And then they showed up and they said, you can no longer have this event, even though it was only there for a half an hour. But... With insomniacs moving down here, what I was going to say is they're gonna have to get used to our weather because they don't understand. California weather is very fucking different. Like yep, yep. I don't know.
1: I was just out there and I don't like it.
0: No? No you just played the uh parking rave, right?
1: Oh no, I like the the parking rave is lit. No,
0: no, no, I know, I know, but the I was California that's why you're there. The
1: California weather. Not cool.
0: Why? California is beautiful. Nah. Agree to disagree. That's okay. No, dude. Why? Reasoning. What has happened to it?
1: It's just cloudy. It's just like... uh, the pollution. It's weird. I felt like I was having an asthma attack on the verge of an asthma attack the whole time.
0: So, from your experience, tell me from your experience what L.A. looked like. I need like a...
1: Looks like a city. You ever been to L.A.?
0: No, I know. But I'm saying... I've heard about like the homeless issues. I've heard just like it's a mess. Everything's still closed. It's a real big mess. True?
1: It's a real big mess. Everything is not closed, but a lot of there's like thirty percent of it open. Maybe and it doesn't it is,
0: look like Florida. We can say that much
1: for sure. No, no.
0: Yeah,
1: we open, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's closed out there. And it's and but like the there are there are a lot more strict about everything out there. But the homeless is really bad. I yeah, felt bad for I, I felt bad about. about that. There was like the there was homeless everywhere. There on the there was like not even like Skid Row was there, obviously. But like every, they weren't even on the side of the sidewalk. They were like in the middle of the sidewalk, and they just like I pat I, me and Baldy. We were like he was skating someplace, <laughs> and I was trying to fucking. I hope your foot's okay, but oh shit it was bad but like we were just, we were walking and there's just i felt terrible there's just homeless people that we had to like walk up and check if they're like breathing a little bit it was weird and like down here in florida we got homeless people but
0: it's not like that
1: it ain't like that
0: and they have nowhere to put them either they have nowhere to put them and yeah. it's like
1: there's so many people there
0: there's so many people i think there's 40 40 41 million in la in la county that's fucking crazy.
1: Yeah, I don't know what to do about that though. I'm not a really city. I'm not. A, I'm not a city planner.
0: Yeah, no, I feel you.
1: But I hope they can do something. Cause I like' the
0: city planner.
1: Vote for me, please.
0: I'd vote.
1: No, you wouldn't. Uh, you shouldn't.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if I ran, no, I'd be a terrible politician.
0: But it might be nice that they have like um, recreational weed.
1: Oh, that's cool. But I mean, we ain't get. We ain't buying the rec read anyways. Yeah. No. 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 No, we... Still trapping out there. That shit is better. Yeah? Yeah, way better. All Buy it right. from a drug dealer. The stores are stupid. Always. Yeah? Yeah.
0: I don't know. It's it's pretty crazy the the transformation marijuana has made from even, like, five, six years ago to now.
1: For sure. I think it's going to take a long time still to even, like, in Florida, in our state. I, yeah. I don't think it's going to be wreck for a very, very long time.
0: I would agree with you there. I would definitely agree with you. Yeah. I don't know. I've been... Even though everyone thinks, like, Florida's the butthole of America right now. (laughs) I would like to say that we're operating at a pretty good rate. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I've been happy to most extent how this shit has been handled. They've just given people the choice. Which...
1: You told me you weren't getting into politics. I'm not. Today. I'm not.
0: I'm not. I'm saying they've given you the choice. They've given you the choice to live your life. For sure. Yeah. You know.
1: I think it's very important. People have a choice. That's, that's, most it, in- that's the it. most important thing.
0: I also think the mask works, and everybody should fucking be wearing them. If they haven't gotten tested, to be in a room with each other, you know. So it's like I I agree with that too. Mm-hmm. But what I was jumping to government wise is from weed to your name because I need to ask you this. I remember. When I saw you when I was 18 years old. And you were playing in Orpheon. Um, with Nightmare. With Nightmare. After an SMF party. You were yeah. still very young. And I said, this guy's so good, but I hate his name. I was like, I don't I don't know what, what the deal is with the name. Mm. And then the name just grew on people. And it grew on people. And it grew on people. <sighs> so, I know that Alex, your manager, didn't want you to have this fucking name. Yes. When you brought it to him. So, tell me... Yeah. Why are Blunts and Blondes <laughs> And why Alex didn't want you to have it Because I would love to know that story
1: I had a girlfriend a long time ago And she was blonde and
0: But I, you like brunettes Yeah yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, she was blonde And uh, So I was smoking blunts, And I needed a name at the time And the only other name I never said this to nobody because it's really embarrassing But it was Nightshade
0: I fuck
1: with that. I don't. Okay. <laughs> okay. And my friends were like, "That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire life." So, oh boy. I was just rocking with nothing for a while, just playing parties, or whatever. Just gave me my two hundred bucks or whatever. And um, I was on the porch one time in summer, and I was like, yeah, "I was smoking a blunt." I was trying to think of a name. I was like, "Yo, Blunts and Blondes." <laughs> and it was such a it. it was such a cool moment because I was like, "Oh my god, that's it." It worked. And I called all my boys. I was like, yo, Blunts and Blondes. They are like, nah. I was like, nah, <laughs> no, nah, that's it, dog. And then I fucking, Taylor, my roommate, I was like, yo, make me a Blunts and Blondes logo, please. He was like, for sure. And he made it. And that was my first logo for a while. And that's what I was rocking with for a minute. And then um, I fucking, Alex picked me up when I started working at Amp. Like, you know, I was a resident amp, and then Alex picked me up. He was like, Yo, I want to be a manager, I want to try this out with you. How do you feel about that? And I was like, I feel great about it, whatever. That sounds awesome. That's how me and Alex, Alex is a hustler. Yeah, he's awesome. He's my dog, my brother. But yeah. Um, yeah, he was like, well, I, The Blunts and Blondes thing is going to be kind of hard because like nobody wants to put Blunts and Blondes on a flyer.
0: I can hear him saying it right now in my mind. Because
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, he was just thinking he's a business guy, you know? Oh, yeah. And I was like, well, we gotta figure something out. Cause, like, this, that's it. I don't know wh- I'm not confident at all. But that was just, that w- that w- it it made sense to me. Cause I was like, this rolls off the tongue way too well.
0: Mm-hmm. No, it does.
1: It was like Charmin, Charmin Ultra. Like, come on, blunts mm-hmm. and blonde. It's the best I thing. Got,
0: okay. I got you. It's jingly. No, well, it's catchy. I had to say, and, and I always said this too. This was like when I was literally a fucking raver and i didn't even like raving that much i just went cuz i was like
1: raving is dope raving. i like raving
0: raving is cool and and raving is cool i was like you know what i don't like his name but it i can't forget about it mm-hmm. you know
1: it's almost annoying but it's like dope cuz like i like i'm pretty sure i'm pretty i think i'm self aware pretty sure and i think like 30% of my like people who know my name Fucking annoyed the shit out of me because I'm just like, you open up Twitter, you open up Instagram, boom, blondes and blonde It's just somewhere on your timeline, somewhere.
0: Well, on the ego A, B, you're always going to be kind of towards the front. I love it. Yeah.
1: But like, it's just something you have to do to like,
0: no, for sure. You
1: know, get people talking.
0: Well, and it's just like I talk about now, and I think certain people have resentment for it, and I totally understand it, but it's so important even it like fuck this industry just in general i can't look at a very successful artist and not see a brand or like it like a like um an inner kind of motive attached to their project like i can't like i can't i i don't know maybe besides a few huge pop singers and i just feel like it is important To keep the music first, but also realize that you have to have other ways to connect with your listeners. People want you to be more than just somebody they're listening to. They want to see you. They want to know your personality. They want to be able to say, okay, like he's totally into this. Nah, he wouldn't like that and i think the more that you can connect with people on a relatable level the more they're just gonna fuck with you like the more transparent you are i just feel like the bullshit of like painting this perfect life and all this shit especially on the other side of covid people don't want to see that shit they want to see people be real and like speak their like truth and opinions i don't know
1: speak your truth
0: speak your truth (laughs) sounds like some energy (laughs) shit dude i've been having this girl talk to me about crystals and rocks lately Shit's wild.
1: Yeah, this shit is wild. <laughs> I don't.
0: I think people just have too much time on their hands. But I don't know. Maybe I do too. I'm sitting here. Doing what with crystals and
1: rocks. <laughs> I have a friend of mine. Uh, his name's Luke Humphrey. I met him through disc golf, and uh, he doesn't really talk to me about like the the spiritual part of it. Mm-hmm. But he is he like he's an excavator. Okay. like he like when he's on the tour when he's on the disc golf tour he'll stop at like random spots and go try to find really cool rocks and he showed me some cool stuff, that's cool. but like I'm not necessarily gonna think they're gonna change my life my a couple of my friends uh eric squanto yeah he thinks that he he he's a big believer in the rocks she i don't is. know what what do you call it what do you call the rock like what do you call that kind of science
0: they're like chakras they're like
1: no that's what that's like what you have in you but like the the what do you call that kind of pseudoscience i forget what it's called
0: i have no idea but yeah he uh he believes in a lot of shit for sure yeah i i i just say you know everybody should be able to i guess speak your own opinion i guess that's why we have twitter
1: Mm -hmm. just don't hurt nobody
0: you know i think yeah and i think that uh we could use just a little bit more compassion i think just a little bit no 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 we're okay as we are all right um yeah, uh, fucking. I'm just happy for shit to start opening up so people can get off their their uh, platforms of social media and go. <sighs> social into media the, is terrible. Yeah, go into the real world. It'll be nice. Take a walk. I, I don't think our our breed is designed to be not around other human beings. I don't think our breed is designed not to. Not engage in human interaction and human real. Go have
1: some friends. That's what disc golf has been for me too. Also, introducing competition again in my life was crazy. Yeah, Cause like playing disc golf was cool, but then I started taking it seriously and then like playing in tournaments and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just, I like, I haven't had that feeling in so long. That's awesome. Like, like it was like just old like high school sports like feeling, just feeling like intense and competing with somebody. I think competition is pretty good to like you know introduce back into your life.
0: So, when you say competition, did you ever feel like you were in a competition at one point on your journey?
1: Yeah, I still do, and that's what hindered me a lot. That's what that's what still to this day, like, I guess if we're being open about it, like, um, Jesse, like, going on tour with Subtronics, I looked at him and I wanted to be just like him. I wanted to make just as much music as him. I wanted to be... The same amount of hype as him. I wanted to, you know, everything that he did. I I was on the bus with him, so every single phone call that he got, that he was like, "Yo, I got this feature. Yo, I got this collab." And I was like, I was sitting on the, I was sitting right next to him when he got the Excision collab, and I was like, ha, like half of me was like, "Yo, my boy just got a fucking Excision collab," and the other half of me, which I regret to this day, and I like, I know this is the wrong way to think, but it's like. When am I gonna get my excision clock? Yeah. And
0: no, that's just human thinking. That's just way the the way the brain works.
1: I mean, it it sucked because it made me it like I I had to work a lot because it made me resent him for a little bit, and I had to talk to him about it, and we talked about it, and and I'm glad we talked through it because it helped me grow, and it it hurt me to look back, and I was like I looked I looked bad upon a friend because I wasn't performing. You know, it wasn't my time. Mm-hmm. And I could have congratulated him more. I could have let him, I could have give him, given him more shine mm-hmm. if I would have just put my ego away and, like, just been happy for him more, you know? And that, that, to this day, is just one of my biggest regrets.
0: I feel like communication is, like, key in this industry, like, period. Like, because I think we don't naturally have that kind of, some people do have a sense of competition just in their life. They're just competitive ass people. And I think this industry and the people who predominantly run the industry have created this thing where like inside of us, it's like, here's our market and here's our competitors and here's the people that you're going to be grouped against. Yeah. And so in turn, you feel that sense of competition and you have to beat someone else instead of saying... Hey, there's room for everybody.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, which there is,
0: you know, and there is, and there is, and it's like the sooner that you can try and like battle your mind out of thinking that way, all the homies are gonna succeed. Like, yeah. if you're putting in the work, as long as you don't fucking quit, and you don't, and you're you're adaptive to to changes and the way that you know everything moves forward. And you're not like, okay, this doesn't fucking work. I need to try something else. You will eventually make it. You will eventually reach your goals. I think in some way, shape, or form.
1: Yeah, for Most sure. Most people
0: just give up. They quit. Or they don't listen to people who are, you know, experienced and have an expertise in a certain area.
1: That's like the um. That's like the the law of attraction. I hated when people talked about that shit. I hated that shit. Because I was like, that's a fucking cop-out. You're going to make people... No. You don't just think about something and shit can happen. But... Yeah. What you do is like every day you work, right? And the next week you buy a keyboard. And then the next week you buy a guitar. And the next month you buy some, you buy your interface, right? And then the next week you buy a desk. And then the next, you know, and then two years later your room looks like a fucking studio. Mm -hmm. And that's how it happens. You put in the work every day and you work towards it. You don't just think really hard and poof, wake up and that shit happens. Yeah. No. (laughs) No. That shit, I hate when that. I just wish people looked into things more and try to look into why these things are happening and what work can I put towards something to get the result I want. You can think about the result all the time, and that is important to have a goal in mind. Mm -hmm. But, like, you also need to think about those little small goals that's going to get you to that end goal.
0: Absolutely. And it's just kind of like, I think a lot of people see artists, quote-unquote, come out of nowhere sometimes that never happens and it never happens and and people don't and even aspiring artists like up-and-comers until they really see it they don't get it they're like oh i can just do this and they don't understand that one every career has a shelf life every career will end eventually unfortunately we work careers that are shorter than others especially edm artists especially edm artists and and two it's like you just have to be adaptive to everything like going on and seeing the work that people put in because it's not a quick break and it is like a really fucking long ass road and especially if you want to make a career out of it
1: it's a long ass road for the, i feel like the journey is a lot longer yeah than the end game but like i also feel like people th- i've talked to people who are like Yo, you like you you did it You know, like my friends say, like, you're on, you're on the, you're on hard summer. You're on, you're on the lineups with your, with these people. You did it, man. I'm like, no, I didn't, bro. I'm nowhere near this shit. But I feel like that's with every artist you need to. And it's something I'm learning how to do now is to like, try to acknowledge my small successes. Yeah. And, but realize that the journey is so much more cooler and dope if you realize that you're on a journey.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't focus so much on like what you want next that you're skipping over where you are now you. but the facet of like re-innovation and like you having the same name or even taking another name and re-innovating your sound and re-innovating xyz that's how you put on years to your career shelf life like that's just how you do it because i feel like you can only go on for so long. I even look at people like Zed's Dead. Oh my God. Think about how many multifaceted genre albums they've done and all of the new projects they've taken on. And even like this new kind of like low fi down tempo shit they're doing. That's a way that they're reinventing themselves and like sustaining their leverage and sustaining their career life. And it's like, that's what's needed in order to stick around, in my opinion, more than five or six years.
1: It's just to be creative really. Yeah. It's just like and also pushing boundaries, like you said. A lot of what we do is like I think Zed's Dead is able to do that because they're aware of who they are as an artist Mm -hmm. and what they want to do. A lot of I'm I'm still I feel like trying to figure out um who I like I can't put out a body of art that feels complete until I feel complete. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I really don't feel complete, so I feel like.
0: Why don't you feel complete?
1: A lot of reasons. Okay. But um the the music the the music part like with Z Z, I I feel like it, you can hear Zeds Don song and know it's a ZZ song without knowing it's them. Absolutely. And I necessarily don't have it yet. So um, but I think like I think that's a reflection of my life too. It's like the... I don't know who I am, so my music can't really be...
0: I think you undercut yourself a little bit there.
1: I'm sure. I'm sure. But I think that's a lot of the struggle that artists like us have is like... Um,
0: You're chasing something that's never-ending. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely agree. And I'm sure many, almost all artists can resonate in some way, shape, or form. And it's just important to like keep pushing to get there because I feel like... This kind of lifestyle is not necessarily great for your mental and physical being. Um, Even uh-huh. though it's amazing to do what we love, it does become very hard at times. And it's continuous self-doubt, even at levels such as yourself, correct? Yeah. All the time.
1: Yeah. I heard of this thing called imposter syndrome. And it's like, the engineer told me that I had imposter syndrome this, this week in my uh in in california he was like you have this." i was like what are you talking about he was like you're playing all these beats like for these these rappers and these artists and you're like skipping through them really fast because you think none of them are good and all of them are fine all of them are good but he's like you have this thing called imposter syndrome that is very very common in artists that you will you don't think that you, but you don't think that you belong where you belong. You don't think you deserve it. You don't think you earned it. And until you somehow break that, you will never think that your music or anything that you do is good enough or deserving of the room that you want to be in. Yeah. The room. Yeah. yeah.
0: No, absolutely. And and I think exactly what that engineer said. A lot of artists have that. Yeah. And I've. Most of my friends have that. I have that. You have that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's something where. I feel like at one point in the journey, you say, okay, I'm here. Or you just have to force yourself to be content. You have to, you have to, at one point, step back and say, all right, this is a big deal. This is, you know?
1: There's some moments where I definitely hit, where I was like, yo, like, what the fuck? Like, um... Like EDC Orlando? Yeah, yeah, like that moment. Yeah. That was fucking so awesome.
0: And, and it's crazy (laughs) because... First, I'm so excited that Insomniacs is invading Florida. That's gonna be so fucking dope. Yeah. And second, it's like that was your first EDC Orlando on the bass rush stage. And yeah. and how did you how did you feel when Alex was like, yo, you have this offer? Like, yo, like you're gonna play EDC Orlando, you're gonna play at this time, you're gonna play at Sunset.
1: I was playing a lot of festivals at the time. Yeah. And I was it was like cool like, it was like you know whatever mm-hmm. but uh, when I got there I was like yo like when, like the when the week before EDC happened and I was just talking to everybody and they're like yo we're coming down we're coming down my phone was just flooding over and I just was like this is this gonna be cool the homies are there and then I looked at the lineup and I was like I'm the only bass music playing in the whole festival for like two hours. And then I got to the stage and I was like, this isn't a side stage. This is a fucking huge ass stage. That's insane. Mm-hmm. And then I like, I I don't, it hit me like kind of after I got off the stage and people were like, like my roommate was like tearing up. Oh, and it was like, I
0: remember seeing Mike and Jared and everyone was tearing up. It was just like a big fucking moment.
1: It was crazy. It felt so good. It was just like, it felt so organic. It felt like. I'm, I'm the poster boy for Florida. Yeah. And it feels, it felt so Florida. It felt like, I was like, I just like, I put on for the, I put on for these people and they put on for me and well, I felt good for it. Well, that's what it was. Yeah. And
0: I feel like that started at Ritz. Yeah. It started at people, you know, and, and trust me, it's like you and I can relate in, in the, the statements that, that being a resident is a bitch sometimes. For it's, sure. It's. Yeah. It's hard. It's like not well-paying. It's it's X, Y, and Z. But the amount of doors being in that club has opened. And the amount of very... Although I've always said a bass fan will spend their last dollar on you. Will spend their last dollar to support you. And it's like seeing the group of kids at that venue grow with you. Move from AMP to Ritz and then you kind of go on out the door to bigger and better things that just must have been crazy and it's like do you think it's different now than it was then
1: like what what's different
0: like just the vibe in general because the club has grown
1: oh the vibe at the ritz like yeah
0: like like they didn't used to have these huge headliners every weekend you would headline A lot of the week Fridays, you know, it was an actual club night that became so much more. And that's why I even talked to my agents and they're like, Tampa is the biggest base scene in Florida.
1: It is. And I think that a lot of people helped make it that, you know, and um, the biggest problem, the the big uh, play at the Ritz and being the headliner at the Ritz for a while and not having an artist come in and me, like, being the artist yeah. gave me a huge, huge, huge false ego boost that fucked me up for a long time. I was like, yo, I'm the shit. Period. Like, like nobody can tell me nothing. I can do whatever I want. I'm the shit. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't nothing. I was, like, I wasn't making any music. I was barely making anything, you know. I was, you know, doing shitty in school. And, uh, I wasn't being cool to my friends. You know, I was just being a dick. Mm-hmm. But um obviously that changed, you know, throughout time and it I, I've learned a lot of lessons throughout, you know my friends have taught me a lot of lessons and you know, growing up and touring and experiencing problems and you know shit is taught me a lot of lessons. But that is the only thing that was bad about the Ritz. Everything else was so Positive for me, and it helped me get. It helped me learn how to be a DJ. It helped me learn how to perform in front of a lot of different types of people. And it helped me learn how to be a showman. Um, I was terrible on the microphone. My voice cracked every single time, and I would try to leave it alone. And then there got to a point where Alex told me he was like, "Yo, shut up! Like you cannot talk every song." And I was like, "But I sound so fucking lit. What are you talking about?" And then. <laughs> And, you know, throughout playing just every week and having those, like, practice runs, really, Mm -hmm. I feel like that shaped my shows now. And I feel like I can throw a professional show now because I went through all that, like, I went through that grind.
0: It makes you a seasoned performer. I can can definitely relate to all of the following things. I don't think I would be able to walk in certain clubs and feel like I could own it if I didn't have a, a residency at Ritz. Yeah, for sure. And, and... But that also, I feel like, has given, I want to talk about this because you can attest to this, because everyone looks at you and they go, Ritz had Blunts and Blondes, and then Blunts and Blondes made it. And I see these aspiring producers and kids from this area and kids from all over Florida go, well, I want to be at the Ritz because the Ritz is going to make me Blunts and Blondes.
1: So, i've never heard that
0: I hear it all the time because no one's going to tell you your fucking face and, <laughs> and and um and they have to understand that there's so much more behind that that there's so much more than to having a residency while the residency did you amazing there's so much more that went behind you leaving Ritz and doing
1: well. It did amazing for me learning how to like what I just said yeah, like, learning yeah, how like training but me becoming a successful EDM artist uh, all came from my team and all came from marketing and there all came from, uh, you know, being creative on how I get my name in front of people, playing a whole, like, and like, if you are an artist that pops off of a, off a song and like Excision plays your song and you get lit and you go play some support acts... And you make some, you play some cool shows, good for you. But if I take that artist and I put them in a club by themselves, they're not gonna sell tickets. Nope. And if you wanna be able to be a sustainable artist in the EDM industry, the most important thing you, do, you need to do is to be able to sell tickets so you can make money to keep on going and make money for other promoters so people will continue to book you so you could p- continue to play more shows. Mm-hmm. It's, that's just how it works. But in order, so the, how my team, The strategy behind... um, I don't know if they're going to be upset with me saying this, but whatever. Uh, They put me in very, very small rooms. A lot, a lot of small rooms. Like 200 cap, 150 cap. Everywhere. Yep. In America. Everywhere. I was sleeping in motels, I was sleeping on couches for like two years, two and a half years. And then I played the same rooms with the same promoters every single year. Like two or three times just in a row and it'd be those plane trips where i wasn't on tour it was just one of those off shows where like yeah. boom and then eventually when i was like putting out music and making these people money and stuff i would sell out these shows the second time around because they were small rooms and if i sell out those shows they'd be like, okay let's move them to the bigger cap room in the city and then i would do that for the next year i'd sell out those bigger caps, those 500 caps and they're like okay he could sell out the 500 caps let's move them to a thousand caps and then the next year i'm in the a thousand caps And you, it's like, you need to put in the work that nobody is ever going to see or care about. And it sucks to hear that. But, like, I played five, like, four or five years of shows that were not, show; they were just, like, restaurants, rhythm rooms, some fucking, like, bullshit. Not the Ritz. Yeah. And this is all while I was playing the Ritz every Friday. So Mm -hmm. it was, like. I went from the Ritz playing to like these lit shows and it would go on playing like 50 room caps where they were still serving dinner play. on the other side. Yep. And it, that being able to show proof of purchase, like being able to sell tickets was it's huge. To, was able to give me the ability to, to go on tour and stuff.
0: And that's the only way, too. And I, and I think. I think having a balance of both where your support acts as well as headlining is important. But the headline acts that I see some people never do are Mm -hmm. what differentiates that difference between the people who can sell tickets. You know, they're going to be able to at least accommodate X people, X tickets. And then we can bring the support on underneath them. We don't have to worry because we're dependent on him. And there's Mm -hmm. fewer of you than most people. Yeah. 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 And and it's um, I mean it's a smart strategy. It's not you know it's not anything crazy. I just it's, it's not of- a secret
1: strategy. But no. you know, just nobody wants to do it exactly. And it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's like and it's not just a lot of work from me. It's a lot of work from like Everyone. my team, Alex and Eric, and Max. Like b- even before Max was in it, like it was just Eric and Alex putting together these shows, grave dancer and shit like that. It, it was a lot of shows that. You know, we showed up, and they didn't even have alcohol licenses, bro. And, like, they had, It was just so... And... They're bad shows. I'm like, I'm yeah. not going to sit here and be all happy the no, whole time.
0: No, oh <laughs> No, can you... I, I just can't even, like... This is the thing that I feel like nobody talks about is, like... You sometimes see these artists thrown on for support on, like, these huge tours. And, like, then they, like, can't sell a room of, like, a hundred people. And it's, like... It's not fun to start there, but you have to start there if you're going to go anywhere else mm-hmm. because you can get stuck in that support realm for so, so, so long.
1: Yeah. And, and it's there's, just, there's some people who are obviously there and yeah. they have they struggle with it. Yeah. And like, we're not going to say names, but yeah. like, just be like, just look. Just look at all the support acts that have been support acts. And they're, they're, it's good. Like, just look how hard it is for them to get out of it. And they may have been trying really hard. And they're genuine people who are probably a lot more Talented than the people they're supporting. Yeah. But they put they played their they play their cards wrong. Yeah. And it sucks.
0: And that's why I feel like you have to be long term oriented to want to do this for more than three or four years. If you want to knock it up, go fucking play for three or four years. Do it as a fucking fun shit. Get on whatever agency. Get put as support. That's fine. But I feel like starting by doing what you're doing where alex was building you bricks of stone to where the point where you weren't going to fall backwards it wasn't going to be like oh they're on tour with excision how the why they why can't they sell this hundred cap room why explain that to me and it's like it is the work that nobody sees and people don't understand that it's like there are more amazing but shitty you know illegitimate (laughs) venues than the ritzes than the vanguards in this whole entire country and you have to accommodate to every one of them and just because you're going to do phenomenal in Florida doesn't mean you're going to do shit in Minneapolis doesn't mean you're going to do shit in Colorado
1: you got to grow like the just think about like the work you put in to grow from a local to like a pop in local in your scene just think about putting that work in in every single city what and it's like obviously it grows exponentially as you you know growing hype and popularity, but you're not just going to go to a new city and sell it out, dude. You're not Chris Brown. Yeah. I mean? Yeah, And really. It is what it is.
0: It's fucking crazy. It's, um, it's a long road. It's a long road. Yeah. When was, when was the point where you were like, "All right, I'm like out of the shithole.
1: <laughs> what do you mean? What's the shithole? <laughs>
0: like, like, I'm, I'm out of this, like.
1: What I want on the tour with Jesse? Yeah. Yeah. That changed my life. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Bus tours are different.
1: Yeah, he changed my life. I'm straight up.
0: You excited to go back on tour eventually? Probably if next I, year?
1: Yeah, like the, I'm try- yeah, I'm trying to tour off the album, so hopefully we can get the album out by like the beginning of next year, but if it's not done, it's not done. Is it going to be on Deadbeats? I don't know. I don't know? All
0: right, all right. So, tell me about Deadbeats. Tell sure. me about how you... I fucking love them. I think Harrison's the shit. I think they're one of my favorite labels in electronic dance music. How did this uh, come about?
1: Fuck. Um, it's been a minute.
0: You've been with them for a minute.
1: Yeah, lift you up. Really, we've just been like, fuck. Oh yeah, just I like I've i, I lift you up, kind of just popped me off, yeah. and then um, Alex and Harrison became friends, and then I just started sending him stuff, and then like the the way that we worked. Kind of impressed Harrison. Okay. And then uh, we kind of just did whatever he needed us to do. Yep. And then um, that building a relationship with Harrison, who's the label director there, and then uh, that helped me out a lot. And then being able to play shows, and I'm a good performer. I like I play good shows, and going out to a show and you get invited, and then showing out, and then having people like like you and shit, they're gonna invite you back. For another support set, and then that's just it has grown from there. Then I met the boys, and we became homies, and so you know, history since. There you go. Yeah.
0: I mean, they seem to be a very good home to be a part of.
1: Yeah, for sure. They help me out a lot. Yeah. They facilitate. They make sure I have what I need when I like, you know, when I'm releasing, and they make sure everything's handled the right way. They make sure I'm on time because I'm one. I'm a lazy motherfucker. And
0: I'm a procrastinator.
1: Yeah, same.
0: I have a hard time finishing things.
1: I actually owed them a track that I was supposed mm-hmm. to send them like a week ago. And then I was supposed to send it again before I left for here. And now we're here.
0: <laughs> they still <laughs> don't have it. Yeah. That's all right. But it's cool.
1: It's going to be cool. That's, That's like, sick. That song is actually like the first little like... That's huge. It's like the peak on like what the album's kind of going to be like. Yeah. So it's cool.
0: Fuck yeah. Yeah. That's huge. I yeah. mean, they had to be like, somewhat inspirations when you were coming up.
1: For sure. Yeah, Zed is insane. Uh, really, the only artist that I think that I remember, uh, there are so many artists, obviously, that I loved Raven, that I loved Raven too when I was growing up, like growing up Raven and stuff, but Zed dead and all grime. But like, R.L., Zed's Dead, they just, they, like, I always just, I really respect the way that RL Grime and Zed's Dead, like, they just, they carry themselves on stage. They just, like, are so dope. Yeah. And, like, you just, no matter who you are, you're just, like, that guy has, like, some steeze.
0: Yeah, no. Shit. I, I did not like EDM and raving in clubs until I saw... R.L. Grimes Nova tour when I was like 20 or some shit and it was I was like yeah this is it this this is this is the kind of stuff I like and ever since then it's just especially seeing him roll out a label has been really amazing to watch for uh-huh. as long as I can remember Zed Dead has had dead beats so that's been that's been a fucking minute yeah and I just feel like sable valley is going to hold like a place of its own in the industry he forward.
1: had a label before sable valley <laughs> he did yeah it was called we did it really yeah
0: i never knew that
1: hmm? we did it records it's
0: that's the first that's the only
1: dj tattoo i have it's just
0: oh shit
1: so we did it records tattoo
0: no way was that trap music too i assume yeah
1: it's like um him and shlomo a couple other people and um but yeah it's like uh just forward thinking trap music
0: wow yeah and that's exactly what he does now on sable valley. <laughs>
1: a little bit different than Sable Valley it's yeah. more hip hop it's more hip hop driven oh, okay. it's like beats and shit but like yeah yeah. he he was doing so he was DJ Clockwork yep and then uh, he was all grind for a while and then he made We Did It Records with his boys out in Cali and then um, yeah then Sable Valley came up and then yeah so I don't think he does too much that we did it now but Sable Valley is pretty lit yeah it's more ravey though
0: definitely more ravey definitely more mm-hmm. targeted towards like electronic dance music fans do you ever see yourself in the future starting a label?
1: Yeah, blunt records. Yeah. Yeah, I'm starting blunt records soon.
0: Blunt records. Mm-hmm. I love it. Very soon. Gonna be all genres. Gonna be hip hop. Um, be... it's
1: like uh, I have a very not specific, but uh, I have a good direction of where I want to go, and um, I definitely want to be the number one on hands on, like with what's being. Uh, released through that. So, AR, and um, all that shit. For sure. And I think that now, even more, the genres and stuff are being melded to where I can put out... There's, just, there's enough artists right now that I think that I can talk to and put together a good body of work so we could put out a good record label.
0: Absolutely. Oh my god, yeah. There's just so much like slept on talent still.
1: Yeah, and I think record labels are very... i don't i I want it to be a record label, obviously, but like the e d m record labels are you know glorified repost chains, yeah, and I don't want to be that, and I have to figure out how to not be that yeah. and uh basically not, and I think Soundcloud is a problem, and I also think the uh the people don't want to pay for music anymore, nope. So that also sucks.
0: Lost art. Yeah. Yep.
1: So that is another thing. But I think the way that we can do it is through uh, creative content. Just like putting out, not just music, but Blanc's putting NFT, out
0: $3 million. Okay.
1: <laughs> Buy precious metals and <laughs> <Yeah. in> stock. <laughs> do not listen to these internet people.
0: Absolutely. Blanche Records, NFT. No, yeah. but just like a bunch of cool content. It'd be cool to do like vlogs.
1: I'm all over myself. I know. It's a mess. It is what it is.
0: It is what it is. Um, that's so exciting, though. But
1: Album? I think the. I think the. I think the. Yeah. I think the. One of the. I hope nobody else does this. But like, I think the fucking. Um, the thing that's going to set us apart. One of the things that's going to set us apart is I want it to be a. Not necessarily like. Uh, tabloid or drama filled, but I definitely want to make a, a magazine that you can hold in your hand. Yeah, and like I want to be—I want to make a record magazine. So just you know,
0: that's fucking dope. Yeah,
1: yeah. I yeah. think blown records could do that too.
0: Oh, absolutely! Oh my god, you could do so much stuff, especially with that name. Um, but it'll be really, really sick. I want to let you know that I greatly appreciate you coming on today.
1: For sure, thank you. We've so known much. each
0: other. You are my first person that I ever knew. On the back end of the industry,
1: yeah, my dog, Besides you
0: and Alex, Ritz is my home. I will greatly appreciate them for forever and always. And it's nice to see that there's so many dope, up and coming artists, successful artists out of this area. And uh, you know, to the moon. There's a lot of stuff to be done, and uh, it'll be very interesting to see uh, where you're year from now, and uh, we'll have to do another one down the uh, road.
1: For sure. For I appreciate sure. you having me out.
0: Appreciate you, Mike. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the XO Podcast. Do not forget that you can visit my Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash this is Lizzie Jane to gain access to ad-free podcast episodes a day early, as well as the opportunity to become an XO Patreon producer, where I give you shout-outs, you can ask questions to the guests on the podcast, and much, much more. So do not forget to visit my newly launched Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash thisislizzyjane. Jane. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your week, and I will see you next time.